0: Sean, it feels like it's been a while since you and I have uh, gotten together on the SwarmCast, but not a surprise just because of all the craziness kind of going on in the world. But it's good to be back, Uh, another episode of the SwarmCast. Uh, A lot of stuff has happened despite, you know, sports quote-unquote being at a standstill, Sean. There's still plenty of stuff going on.
1: Well, Dave, to say your first point, yeah, it has been a while. And I don't know whose fault that is. might be yours, probably yours, um, because I've been free to do podcasts and – you guys i mean dylan's open to it all the time but you kind of shut it down most times i don't know why you're not i don't know dude all right that's that's a a you that's a you problem
0: (laughs) oh man i i missed you so much sean thanks for thanks for the warm introduction and a warm greeting back for me but uh it's it's much appreciated but yeah you know we're gonna try to continue to turn out these things consistently especially with the rate of news kind of going on I guess we start from the top, Sean. Obviously, Luca Garza, unsurprisingly, I think, for anyone paying attention, he declared for the 2020 NBA draft, as he should. And I think a big thing to keep in mind is he's never seeks feedback from the NBA. You know, I think he thought about last year, but may, I think his camp didn't feel like he had a good enough year, and didn't know how many workouts he would get, so he just decided to return to Iowa. So this is really the first time he's going to get some direct feedback straight from NBA scouts.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's a good thing, too. I mean, just based on the year he had, you kind of have to at this point. I know some people were talking about how maybe he won't even enter the NBA draft because he doesn't feel he's ready. But I think you look at kind of just the numbers and how successful he was. And I know the way he plays isn't really the NBA style. The fact that he's kind of a guy that's he's mobile, but he's not a guy like, I don't know, um, doesn't have natural running
0: ability and like athleticism. I mean, I hate using this because they're different style players, but like Deandre Jordan just glides down the court and there's a couple of those bigger centers that, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a low grade, but I mean like a JaVale McGee, like those guys can run the floor and they're versatile.
1: And they're very, they're very high flying big men too. Like, I don't know how many dunks Garza really had this year where he's just like jumping over guys. I don't think there was any, Um, but I mean, But Brian Snow brought up a good point, too, how a guy like Nikola Jokic is making in the NBA. He's kind of a similar player to Garza in the fact that he's very below the rim, um, very versatile um, in terms of his offensive skill set, can beat you down low, can shoot from the outside, really, really good passer. But Jokic is kind of a guy that, I don't know, there's just something about him and kind of the system that he fits in that Mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, this kid or this guy can be an NBA player and is a very good one. I just think that's the exception, though, um, in terms of a big man like that who's more, um, yeah, like you said, really lacks that elite athleticism or elite athleticism for a big man. So, yeah, I think, I mean, if you're Garza, might as well get it. Worst comes to worst, I mean, which is kind of the expectation right now. You come back to school. I don't really think that's a bad option either. Um, Even though Mm -hmm. I said worst comes to worst, um, I think that's a really good option for him because you look at the success Iowa could have with him coming back next year. Um, Jordan Bohannon obviously returning. They only lose a couple of seniors. Bring back most of their offensive production. You're looking at a team that not only can be successful, but if Garza, I mean, he's not going to have the year statistically that he had this year. No one will for a long time unless we get an absolute freak In the Big Ten again, um, you really look at it and you're like, okay, like his stock could be as high as it gets right now. That's what people think. But I think with a big year um, and he kind of shows that he's improved, maybe athletically, um, offensively, defensively. I know a lot of people have harped him on. Um, then he could be, he can maybe get his draft stock up a little bit. I think that's, I think that's kind of the mindset you have to have right now. I mean, I know a lot of people is thinking this is as high as it's going to get, but I think I, with me, I have a glass half full on this, mm-hmm. one, on that perspective.
0: Yeah. And I, no, I think you have the, the nail on the head because the biggest thing, and I think this is worth knowing too for Garza, he's not like most players in the sense that he is very self aware. Like he knows what he needs to do, he knows what he needs to get better at. He knows he needs to defend ball screens better. And here's the thing, too. I think he was a much better rim protector this year uh, than than I think people give him crap for 1.8 blocks. Obviously, Iowa played a lot of zone to try to cover up guards and protect him from foul trouble. But he was still getting attacked down low. I mean, time and time again, but he managed to stay out of foul trouble. So I think that's a big thing. Another thing I want to bring up, too, Sean, is garza's message in the way he he kind of went about the whole thing in the way he articulated his his thought process and his, his plan it was really i don't want to say second and none but i mean it was it was extremely well crafted because it left no speculation on what he's trying to do the you know it kind of shuts down that obviously in his social media stuff he said uh i'm not going to go in the draft 100 confidence of being able to make a a roster. I'm sorry, he said that in the teleconference in his actual statement. He just said, It's been my dream to play in the NBA since I started basketball and do anything to pursue that. If it's not the right time to make the move, I'm excited about the potential, uh, what my senior season as a Hawkeye could have in store. And obviously, in the message as well, he had in all capital letters, maintaining my eligibility. <laughs> so he, he really tried hard to just shut that down. And like you mentioned, if he comes back next season. I mean, the is the limit for Iowa if they can just retain all the pieces. And the, and I I like how you brought up that he won't have the year statistically. He doesn't need to. If Iowa brings back everybody, C.J. Frederick's going to be better. Joe Toussaint's going to be better. Jordan Bohannon is eyeing a Big Ten three-point record, needs 91 of them. Iowa's ability to kind of really stretch the floor, it's going to give Garza a lot more one-on-one opportunities and really limit the double and triple teams because teams aren't going to want to leave Iowa open for three so I think that's another thing and in terms of Garza's draft stock if he defends ball screens better if he def- if he develops a little bit more athletically and if he sheds some bad weight because look he's very well conditioned but you know kind of hearing reports and listening to NBA scouts they want to see him cut some more bad weight and that's going to happen just through obviously his rigorous training with his dad Iowa strength program and obviously going through another season And if Iowa ends up with a top five, top 10 team, team success will breed individual success for Luca Garza. If Iowa has a really good year, he's going to be the most likely national player of the year, barring any big surprise. And his draft stock will go up because if they see Iowa goes, I'm just going to throw all ram number, right? Regular season, Iowa goes 25 and six, 24 and seven. You know, I, I think that he develops into a draft pick just because of how, how good Iowa was throughout the season.
1: And teams, NBA teams want to see you guys win. I know that's a knock I read today. Um, Derek Piper's line I inquire had, a, had an article on IO DeSumo and how his draft stock has um, kind of dropped a little bit. I mean, he's he had a great second half to the season. He's a guy that I think could be a great fit in the NBA one day. But you look at a guy like from Utah State, Sam Merrill, he had the opportunity to really show what he can do in the conference tournament and really win and we saw this year that the big 10 schools didn't have that opportunity a lot of the schools almost every school didn't have the opportunity to win a conference tournament except for like the ivy well not even the ivy league cuz they mm-hmm. get their tournament got canceled too yeah. but i think like the mountain west and like the missouri valley were the only two like perennial mid major conferences that were able to have a conference tournament nba teams want to see guys that can perform on a big stage perform in front of large clou- crowds perform against elite competition on national TV and see what they bring to the table. And the Iowa and all those other guys didn't get a chance to do so this year. What? What were you gonna I,
0: I was going to say, no, I would say that's a great point because keep, you know, the biggest thing that I remember from last year's NCAA tournament was Garza averaged 16 and a half points. And I think seven boards or something like that. CBS sports was John Rothstein said he's, you know, he was a breakout player in the NCAA tournament. And that's when the buzz kind of started around Luca Garza being the centerpiece for Iowa this season.
1: Right, right, and that's, yeah, because that's a big factor, too. I mean, you want to get guys that come from winning backgrounds and guys that are proven winners. We saw at the high school level, Luca had great success with Merritt um, and on the AAU circuit, too, a team takeover, and he had an up-and-down freshman year. Um, I mean, he put up decent numbers, but Iowa wasn't very good. Sophomore year was a lot better, put up some good numbers. Iowa was winning games, still inconsistent at times, but – that hey, nonetheless, they won games, and this year it just mm-hmm. just absolutely blew people out of the water. I mean, it helped that Iowa was was so successful. I mean, I know he didn't get the Player of the Year nod, and he didn't get the chance of proving the Big Ten tournament, but I think this year was just huge for him in terms of draft stock. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you're looking at a guy who's not even being considered as an NBA guy, but now maybe. I mean, we saw what he could do shooting the ball. How good he, how dominant he was down low. Um, but, I mean, he kind of remained the same athletically in terms of his foot speed and lateral quickness. Not great, but I think just the way he dominated has really put himself on some radars for NBA teams. I mean, he's not hes not a lock at all to get in the second round. Um, I think at mm-hmm. best he'd be like a late second round guy, um, very likely undrafted. But he's put himself on the radar because of this season. And a big part of that, too, is because of Iowa's success.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you bring up another good point. I mean, he probably wasn't even a top 250, top 300 prospect entering the year. But just his consistency, his dominance. And, I mean, on top of all of that, with Iowa's injuries, he was getting double and triple teamed literally every single play. And he still found a way to be that efficient. And he's really starting to add even more range to his game. Obviously, Iowa fans see all of Frank Garza's tweet, tweeting videos of Luca working out and hitting, you know, 20 of 21 threes from 30 33 feet so i mean he's still adding elements to his game he's still adding new post moves a sky hook and again i mean it no matter what level that you know he plays that next year i still think he'll he'd find a way to contribute but even if you bring up he's a late second round pick I don't even know if that's good enough for Garza because he does not want to play in the G League. He basically needs to say, I need a team that loves me, has a plan for me, and will put me on their roster, almost a guaranteed roster spot. And I think right now, I, I, I don't see that happening. And I think we, we, we kind of touched on this on our on our VIP boards at Hawkeye Insider, Sean, that uh, some of his quotes yesterday were just very telling, I think, about the way he's going about it. I think he's going to get feedback. He He knows what he needs to improve on but he wants to hear it from guys who are actually in the position to make the decisions other than Fran and like his father. And that's no offense to Fran or his father, but it's just, you know, it's the position game. It's the, it's, uh, you know, trying out for his fe- future boss and, and all that. So it will be interesting. And I, I think it was just the, the bond between Iowa fans and the Garzas, just the way it developed over the last year is just, it's pretty, I and mean, it's special, honestly. And it, it I think it, it was overwhelmingly supportive of Luca's decision to to enter the draft. And, you know, if he returns and it's something that really kind of stuck out to me, Sean, in the interview was when he was asked about the potential of next season's team. And he said, quote, is something I value very highly, end quote, in his decision making and what he decides to do so. He genuinely loves college. He genuinely loves Iowa. And you don't really, I don't want to say you don't really see that, but in terms of make it being a factor in his decision, I think it is a factor in his decision because, you know, Frank's gone on the record on a couple other outlets saying that he believes that Luca and Fran can bring a final four run and a national title to Iowa. So, it, look, projections are just all over the board, but if the pieces return, and, it, you know, we'll, we'll get into this in our mailbag section later as so we had a couple questions surrounding it, but... I was legitimately probably going to be a top, maybe the, the favorite in the Big Ten conference, maybe at least one of the favorites, probably alongside Wisconsin. And I don't know about Michigan State. Obviously lose Xavier uh Xavier Tillman and they lose uh Cassius Winston, who's one of the best point guards of all time there. But you know, it's a lot of uncertainty, but I think the way Garza went about the NBA draft process and the way he kind of articulated himself, it was impressive. So he made the right decision. It's a smart thing to do. And now Iowa fans are just going to have to sit back and wait to see, you know, kind of how it all unfolds.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think you hit I think you hit everything right there.
0: So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more basketball later. We had a couple of questions surrounding it. But uh, Sean, I know you got the chance to catch up with one of Iowa's uh, newest offensive line uh, targets and newest offers. So do you want to kind of tease that? And we'll We'll play that interview.
1: Yeah, so I got the chance to talk to uh, Jacksonville Bishop Kenny, three star offensive lineman Michael Mislinski. um, Offers from Iowa, Oregon, uh, Maryland, Texas, Michigan State. um, A guy that's up there on Iowa's board. And I think Iowa, I know Iowa likes him at center. And I think this is going to be one to watch too. Me and Michael talk about kind of, we kind of touch on his rise and what he's been up to lately with the quarantine. Um, and his dad is actually the strength and conditioning coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we talk about how having a guy like that or a dad like that in his family really helps him out. And then we dive him then we dive into the recruiting process too um, and kind of get a feel for what he's been up to. I actually placed a 24/7 sports crystal Ball in favor of Iowa um, for Mislinski. I think Iowa's in a really good spot right now. obviously hasn't been to campus yet, but I think by the podcast you can kind of tell that. Misinski really, really likes what Iowa's doing in the offensive line tradition. And he also talks about his connection with the former offensive Iowa offensive lineman, so that's a pretty good story too.
0: All right, so we'll uh, we'll play that interview, and we'll just catch up
1: uh, in a few minutes. So, as promised, guys, we now welcome on to the show Jacksonville Bishop Kenny, twenty twenty one, three star offensive lineman Michael Mislinski. Uh, the junior from Florida has offers from Iowa, Texas, Maryland, Oregon, Florida State, and a couple others. Um, so, Michael, man, how you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, for sure, boss. Um, so what have you been up to the past couple of weeks? I mean, I know with all this stuff going on, it's kind of tough for you recruits to really get, I don't know, just, I mean, it's different, you know?
2: Um, so what have you been kind of up to to stay busy? Well, definitely has been different, you know? Um, well, currently I'm in online school, so I've been doing a lot of online work, you know, trying to get ahead in my studies. Because um, as you know, you know, football is only going to take you so far. Um, I've been working out I have a nice – uh gym in my garage, because my dad's strength coach for the Jags, so he makes sure that uh, we have all the equipment, no matter uh, how bad the times are, so I've been working out, in online school, and that's about it, you know, there's only so much you can do when you're quarantined.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw you got worked in Madden the other day, too. (laughs) Oh, I got worked, yeah. We we don't got to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) You an
2: Xbox or PlayStation guy? I, I play Xbox. Um there you go. Yeah. Not not the best at Madden, so but yeah, it's like all other games. Nah, you know. I get that.
1: Hey, as long as you're Team Xbox, that's what it's what we want. So kind of get into it now before we hop into recruiting, you mentioned it, your dad, <laughs> strength conditioning coach for the Jaguars. Um, he played before his coaching days, he played at Tennessee, had a long career in the a long career in the NFL. Um, and is now in the NFL still. What's it been like growing up with someone like that, kind of mentoring you throughout like, your whole development?
2: Well, I mean, first off, you know, I'm very lucky to have him. You know, without him, I wouldn't be here in this position. Um, you know, it was tough. he was tough on me growing up because he cared about me and he knew, like, you know, what I, I told him what I wanted to do. I wanted to play college football. You know, obviously, I'd like to play in the NFL, but yeah, you know, was on the first dream. And um, you know, ever since I was young, he helped push me. And um, you know, I owe all the credit to him, and also my brother Thomas. He, you know, ever since I was young, he pushed me as well. He played at Air Force um, Academy, so he knows what it's like to get to and play at the next level. And um, he's a strength coach now at East Tennessee State for uh, softball and uh, baseball, as well as the you know, Olympic sports. So I have two similar minds helping me out, trying to um, achieve my dream. And he's also a nutrition major. So, you know, he's got all – I have all aspects helping me out. So I have no excuse, and it's honestly uh, extremely lucky. I'm blessed to have those two people in my life. So
1: have you always been an offensive lineman then? Um,
2: So when I started playing, I originally was a quarterback, honestly um played quarterback for a while played <laughs> end. but i i yeah, I always played line. they always put me in and then when i hit high school it was it was off line and i never left <laughs> so yeah gotcha so as far as recruiting goes
1: um you picked up some big offers in the past couple of weeks what schools have kind of jumped in what's it been like for you getting all these new offers
2: well i mean it's, it's an honor um I say like the latest schools that um, I've received offers from was um, FSU and Michigan state um, this week, um, which was, you know, it was a big honor. FSU is, uh, I mean, it's not hometown, but it's it maybe I think hour and a half from where I am, maybe two. Um, Michigan state, um, the old line coach used to work with my dad in North Carolina for a short period of time though. It maybe maybe a couple months, but um, they were friends before that, I believe. So I've known him a little bit. So it's, Nice to build a relationship with someone else I've kind of known. But, no, I'm just, you know, just, it's it's an honor. You know, um, I've dreamed of playing college football since I was young. So just to be in this position is a blessing. So we've talked about it before. Iowa obviously offered a couple of weeks ago.
1: Um, you said that you grew up watching their offensive linemen. What do you, What else do you kind of know about Iowa? I mean, you can go in depth on kind of the offensive linemen success that they've
2: had at this school and what else kind of stands out about that program well i mean the family um the family aspect of it like i talked to coach uh, kirk Ferrance the other day and we talked for a long time and he's just a personable guy and i felt comfortable talking to him it felt like it felt like i was you know talking to my dad like he cared about me he um cared. it just seemed like he really cared and that's same with coach Polisak, coach foster uh, coach Brian Ferentz and um, that means a lot because you know uh, when I go to college I'm leaving my I'm leaving my family so it's important to me that I feel comfortable and um, you know that I'm going into another family so um, I'm just really excited about Iowa um, you know it's, I'd say it's definitely one of my tough choices and uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited to go take a, a visit there whenever um it's coronavirus leaves so you haven't visited Iowa right I've not no I was supposed to the 26th of March but this thing happened so yeah
1: so kind of talk about the offensive lineman that you grew up watching from Iowa
2: um so I grew up watching Brandon Scherf um Marshall will a little bit but uh, mostly Eric Steinbeck but I didn't watch Eric Steinbeck originally at Iowa. It, I I would go back and watch him um, because so Eric Steinbeck was my neighbor when I lived in Cleveland. My dad was coaching for the Browns, so I got to know him because he would always come over for dinner and stuff. And then he had these three big dogs that would um he would always have out, and they'd chase me through my backyard. That's a whole nother story. But um, <laughs> so I got to know him well in Cleveland. And so you know he is, he's a stud, and um I would always go yeah. back and watch his, go back and watch his film and everything, um, but honestly my favorite Iowa offensive lineman I've ever watched is Brandon Scherf. Um I I watch his tape every time before my game, because that dude is just um, he sets the bar high. He's a really physical um, downhill run blocker, and that's how I try to model my game after. So.
1: Gotcha. So, has Eric called you at all, kind of talked up Iowa since they've offered you?
2: Uh, we've not talked yet, actually, but um, I don't. Uh, my mom is trying to get me on the phone with them soon, so I'm sure we will. Gotcha. So,
1: Texas was another big one to hop in. What are your impressions of that program?
2: I mean, Texas is a great program. Uh, Coach Herb Hand, um, he grew up with my um, my mom's brother. So, we don't really, I don't know him too well, but, um, you know, from what my um, uncle has to say, um, he seems like a great guy, and um, I'm just, you know, Texas is a great program. They're always at the top, and so I'm just excited to go there as well.
1: So I'm kind of sensing a lot of uh, connections with your family and people you know with all these offers.
2: <laughs> it, it, you know, it's it's crazy because my, my grandpa, he worked. Yeah, um, he coached he played in maryland played with the jets for a little bit my dad played and then like he moved around so much we just it's just a you know it's a business so you know everyone um yeah you know it's, it's funny because like you know yeah i wouldn't think i'd be in this position but it's just it's just crazy how everything works how important connections are for sure for
1: sure um so Marilyn you said your grandpa played there what do you kind of what's been kind of standing out about them what do you like about that program
2: Well I mean Maryland's always a good program um coach uh, Reagan I've talked to him a lot and he seems like a really um great guy and um a lot of the things he teaches about O-line that we've talked about is a lot of the same things my dad teaches me so it's um it would be nice to, you know a lot of the same ideas so it would be easier to probably go into their system, which is always um, nice. But um, also Coach Hilo, he's always um, been there for me. Um, you know, he seems like a really good guy. And we've I've gotten to know him for a long time because um, I go to school with his uh, younger brothers. So he's been recruiting me ever since he was at Colorado State a couple of years ago.
1: So, I mean... Obviously it's gotta be kind of an intriguing to maybe follow in your grandpa's footsteps and play in a program like that.
2: Oh yes. Uh, it was it would be really cool. I know he would love that too. When I when I called <laughs> him that I offered from Marriott, he was like, Well Mike, you know, I went there. You know he's like, Do you wanna go? And so definitely, definitely. No pre-
1: no pressure. No pressure. Yeah, Come in right now if you it's want like
2: to. there, too. Huh, really? Yeah, he's a captain. I I can't tell you what year, but he
1: is a captain. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point in the process, what schools? I mean, I know you really haven't like cut down a list or anything, but what schools do you feel are really serious about you?
2: Um, I'd say Iowa, the most definitely. I think they're the most serious about me. Um, Oregon and um, Maryland and SSU, I'd say are probably the most important so or like have been where do have been talked is what I'm, let me rephrase that
1: yeah no it's all good so where do most schools like you on the offensive line i mean because i know Iowa likes you at center is that where all the other schools like you then
2: yes almost every likes me at center but they tell me um i can play guard but um they really like me at center so at center what am i oh sorry no you're good keep going uh, I played so I played sophomore or i not sophomore, I played center my sophomore year um, and then my junior year, he kind of moved me around so I played guardian center so I just have i have a little tape of both so sometimes people get confused gotcha
1: so so what what kind what about your skill set do you feel makes you like one of the more highly coveted offensive linemen in the country
2: well I think um i'm a I'm very physical, like run blocker. You know, um, I consider myself an old school lineman. I think um, the game's kind of changed a lot. It's not so uh, downhill, but that's how my dad taught me to play. And you know, I just I try to I try to finish my defender every play. Um, I played basketball for a long time, so it's it made me really good, um, got me very good footwork. Um, I think I'm very good, like lateral movement and. Um, I I did boxing and I do um, a lot of hand work and to, because of that I, I have strong hands so um, past blocking I feel I do very well so you know just a lot of um, outside work I put in I believe has helped me
1: um, just get me to this point so a big thing with college football prospects today is at it- before they go into college, they play multiple sports. How important, and you kind of addressed it too with the footwork, but how important do you think it is to really not just focus on football from a young age and instead kind of play other sports?
2: Well, you know, when you're younger, you got to enjoy life. That's the first thing I'd say is you got to have fun with it. I play baseball. I play basketball. I did shot put in discus. I might be doing that actually again this year. Um, but, you know, I with basketball was definitely like the second my second favorite sport um you know it it teaches you it's just it's good to be an athlete you know um obviously a lineman you linemen have to be athletes people don't think so but you have to you want to be able to move in space block on linebackers move your feet so uh, basketball teaches you that i mean you're guarding guarding people you have to stay in front of them you're moving your feet it's just it's it's aggressive um it's it's just not aggressive football. You're just moving your feet in front of them. And so that really helped me. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know how good of a basketball player I'd be if I didn't play basketball and how much of an athlete I would be if I didn't play basketball, so.
1: Gotcha. So how do you kind of, I mean, I know it's tough right now with no one or not being able to visit any schools, but how do you kind of factor in the schools that you haven't been able to get out to yet?
2: Um, I think – I've just been uh talking to the coaches a lot, um, trying to find a major. Um, maybe that can help me limit my options. But um what I'm honestly trying to do is like find the criteria of what I want most in the school. Um, and then off that base like go through the programs and if they hit that criteria and then I'd keep them, you know, in the list. But as of right now I honestly don't even have a criteria. I'm still kind of just going through the process. 'Cause um honestly it's been these past two months have been um my main recruiting points. I I think I had maybe four offers heading into February and you know, I, I have twenty now, but it just you know, it's crazy how you know how fast it can change. And like you said, I've not visited them. So just talking to the coaches, um, doing research online, um, all of that and finding right the criteria to help me like shorten my list is um what I'm gonna do. Because, you know, obviously it is harder not being able to go visit these schools right now.
1: Have you, like, has any schools talked about taking a virtual visit or have you taken any of those yet?
2: Yeah, I've taken a couple um, of virtual visits. They're not, um, you know, they're not, you you, you can see, like, out, you can see the campus and stuff. And so that's important. But, um, you know, I get just, I get the same things from going online and stuff. But um, I've only done a couple, so I can't really you know. Yeah.
1: So what what do those visits kind of entail? I've always been fascinated. I mean, I know like I like you said, they show campus and stuff, but like what what are they kinda of like?
2: Um it, it's honestly just like a it's kind of like a hype video. You kinda of, they have music in the background, they're showing the the football locker room, all that, um which is really cool. I just um it helped short my list. Like I need to know, like, just, you know, where am I going to be staying? Um, You know, Iowa had a really good virtual um, video. They went, it was about 20 minutes long, went through like the campus. You walked with them. That was, that was the best virtual tour. I was just thinking of another one. So,
1: Gotcha. So, I mean, I know it's kind of tough right now to have like an exact timeline, but when are you kind of hoping to get stuff wrapped up and make a decision?
2: Well, I really wanted to um before my senior season, but um I just don't see that happening right now. Um so I'm thinking, you know, maybe after my season, but um honestly that can all change. Um depending on just what happens, maybe something just sticks out more than the others and I'll just but I have I have no idea. So, it all up. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are going to – I mean, you talked about the checklist. What are going to be those final factors in your decision?
2: I don't honestly know, um, but I'd say the place that makes me feel most comfortable, the place I think is going to develop me the most, be a good player and a young man. And then, um, you know, just wherever I feel most comfortable. And after talking to coaches and where I fit the system best, and um, obviously roster spots because I don't want to be sitting on the bench for you know two or three years. You know I'd like to come make an impact uh, as soon as I can.
1: And so hey Michael, um, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, why don't you drop your social media, your Instagram, Twitter, whatever, in here so people can find
2: you? Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, my Instagram is Michael underscore and uh, my Twitter is. Um, M. um, a And that's it,
1: actually. Awesome, Michael. Hey, man, really appreciate you coming on again.
0: All right. Thank you for having me. All right. Great stuff from from Michael and, and Sean. Thanks for setting that up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Really solid interview by you. So let's kind of dive into just some recruiting. It feels like at least you and I haven't really chatted on the record about um, some of the Iowa targets and how they're doing, but You know, I I wrote an article about this the other day on HawkeyeInsider.com that, you know, Iowa's fast start, especially given the coronavirus pandemic, it's a big deal. I mean, they have eight commits already in the fold at top. I believe they're 13th in the nation as of this morning. I mean, it's a really big deal that Iowa got their foundation of the class set up. And and on top of that, all the in-state kids that they have already locked down as Hawkeyes and probably... I would argue the deepest high school football recruiting class in in, in the state history. I agree, too. I
1: mean, just looking at all the guys with offers, I think there's 18 or 17 with Power 5 offers. I'm not exactly sure on how much at the top of my head. but And then there's a number of guys, too, that are coming out with FCS offers, a couple lower FBS offers. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to see this class and I think that's going to be a a thing for the next couple years too as we get um kind of more technology with you know like strength and conditioning programs like you get these programs these seven on seven um teams I know there's a couple in Iowa City Trevor Bowlers is putting one together that's been very six that's going to be very successful I know um and then one's near the Des Moines area and I think just guys like I think they're just going to, we're just going to see more talent and too with like the recruiting outlets, media, mm-hmm. getting these guys kind of on the map helps a lot. Um, in schools, like college, colleges have been coming into Iowa. I know there's been a lot of college coaches that have talked to me about their efforts getting into Iowa, whether it be at the FCS or FBS level. They talked about how interested they are in these kids and how they want to kind of get some of these kids out of the state um, and find some of these small town guys that, <clears throat> may not be big 10 level but still like could fit at like a group of five or um pro- program like that so yeah there's there's a ton of talent you talked about too some of the in-state targets that Iowa's still going after obviously the one that pops out is ankeny three-star wideout brody brecht who's down to iowa and iowa state looking like iowa right now i mean he'll take two official visits to iowa state and iowa in June, but I have had my crystal ball on the guys since they offered back in June um, at camp. So I'm pretty confident about that one as of now. Um, And then as far as, I don't know, I'm not sure why I'm blanking right now, but I think other than that, in terms of recruits, he's kind of the lone in-state guy still on the board. I mean, Thomas Fedoni. I would say, yeah, uh, Thomas Fedoni
0: yeah. is the only other make, one I think. Of. Sure. Maybe, maybe the, the top target on the board right now, Sean. Uh, obviously you, you, you got a chance to catch up with him last night. So uh, six schools really still hard after him. And I do want to address this, this just because I know people have tweeted at me about this and asked, obviously top two, four, seven defensive end TJ Bowlers cut his list to six. I think if, if if you've been paying attention to his recruiting process and kind of how it's all unfolded, it's not, a, it's not a surprise at all that I was not in it. And I think at this point, Sean, I think, I think you'll agree with me. The feeling's kind of mutual. Like, obviously, Iowa offered early. I believe they're his second offer. I think Iowa State was his first offer. But, no surprise, Iowa it, State it, was the first. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think it was a fit for either side. I think that TJ wants to play in a 3 4 system ideally. Um, and, and, you know, Iowa wanted, probably just doesn't really know where to slot him. They're, obviously, Iowa's defensive line already with some of the kids they got on board are good. And, I think at the end of the day, like it's 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 best for both parties. And I know people are gonna say, oh, he's a legacy, oh we can't lose, you know, top recruits and state, yada yada yada. He's a great kid. It's just not a fit for both parties. And the feeling I at least from from my opinion, it it's mutual.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a different situation, but I wasn't around for this one exactly. But I've heard kind of the stuff about Max Duggan too, the quarterback from Lewis Central. Um, who ended up going to TCU and people are like, Oh, he should come to Iowa because he's an in-state kid. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean it just wasn't it just wasn't the right fit. I mean, you're gonna have kids that grow up Hawkeye fans that are gonna pick Iowa in the end. Um, and people are gonna be like, Oh, he's a Hawkeye fan, like we need this kid. I mean, yes, like that could play like a part in it. Like obviously it's your dream to play for a school like that, but at the end of the day, the thing that these kids are looking for is fit. And that's kind of the case with everything. If you look based on like you want to, you grew up watching the Hawkeyes, like that's your only criteria. And that's the only criteria that some fans put into like these decisions. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. like there's so much more that goes into it. There's location, there's money, there's travel, there's academics, believe it or not, academics. Um, other schools recruiting them because a lot of other schools have that same vision. There's just so much that goes into it and you can't just base it on this kid. His dad played here. Like his mom went here. His grandparents played here. Like, yeah, you can't just base it on that. There's so much more that goes into it. And I think that's what people have a hard time understanding. I think that's a, that's a thing in TJ's case too. It's like, yeah, his dad went to Iowa. His dad played at Iowa. They grow up. He grew up a huge Hawk fan, like yada, yada, yada. But I mean, this kid's getting recruited from almost everywhere in the country. He has so many options. And I think, too, like TJ is awesome. Like He's a great kid, really great personality, very talented football player. But I think what I was looking for is just not that type of player in the program. I think TJ thinks the same thing. I don't think he wants to go to a place where he feels, I wouldn't say limited, but I don't think he wants to, he definitely doesn't want to go to a place where he feels like he can't reach his full potential or he feels like he's a good fit.
0: No, 100%. I think you summed it up pretty well, too. And I don't think people realize TJ is a great student. TJ is like, I think he's a four-one GPA. I mean, Wisconsin got his attention early because of the engineering program. I know he wants to do engineering, steady engineering. So, you know, he's got a lot of options. Like you said, he's a great kid. Family is fantastic, too. Just, you know, it just isn't a fit. And, you know, I, I think of another recent example, Sean, Xavier Foster went to Iowa State. He grew up a diehard Iowa fan, too. I mean, things happen when you hit the recruiting process and you really start to see, you know, kind of outside that bubble. Cause when you're not getting recruited and you grow up a fan, you're in a bubble. But once you start seeing campuses, you really start get, digging into the academics play style and getting into all these factors. It does open your eyes. I mean, I think that's why, you know, Thomas Fedoni, it's been noted. He, you know, he grew up watching the Huskers. He's getting recruited from everywhere. He's looking at everywhere. there's countless cases like this. So anyway, I felt it was important that we kind of touched on that uh, because, you know, people are, I don't want to say freaking out about it, but obviously, you know, fan bases are passionate. And uh, sometimes they, you know, they need to take a step back, relax and see see a full picture, take it from his standpoint. And even Iowa standpoint, because again, I think it's mutual. Uh, But, you know, Sean, another, I think an interesting thing that developed over the past week is, uh, I'll let you kind of give the synopsis on this. Obviously, we placed a uh, crystal ball on a running back coming out of Tampa, Florida, that has a connection to a current Iowa safety. And I think a lot of a lot of Iowa fans really want to get this kid in the fold.
1: Yeah. So 24-7 sports is and drive caught up with Ricky Parks out of Tampa Gaither. Um, Ricky trimmed his list to Iowa, West Virginia, Pittsburgh, Florida State and Utah. A couple weeks ago but parks told the ivan's that two schools standing out right now to him are iowa and utah so i did some more digging and i felt like after a couple of conversations i had a couple intel a couple of kind of just put in the pieces together i felt my crystal ball i put it on the hawkeyes um, parks will visit iowa on june 19th if that visit ends up happening i do know that i was put together some virtual visits for a couple of the recruits as michael kind of alluded to during our interview. So I imagine that if the official visits thing doesn't work out, then that's gonna be kind of the kind of the deal um this summer. Um but as far as parks goes, I think I was in the best spot. I think they've been in the best spot um for a while now. I just haven't been able to put my crystal ball on it. Haven't been able to feel confident enough to make that pick, but now I do. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um then his teammate as well, three star quarterback Jordan Oladoken um, because his list of seven, I think like Penn state, Maryland, Georgia tech. I don't remember the other schools, but I know Iowa's heavily involved there too. He'll take that visit with parks on June 19th. And mm-hmm. that's one that I thought was trending away from Iowa for a while, but I caught up with Jordan. He said that Iowa's the first official visit that he's locked in. So that's really promising. Obviously with everything going on in our world today, it's kind of a, kind of a tough to really get a feel on where kids are thinking kind of what they want. I mean, I know a lot of them are thinking about holding off their decision, but then you see a couple too that are starting to commit. So it's kind of, you're kind of playing it day by day at this point. Um, but I think Iowa's was in a good spot for both those kids right now. I haven't put in a crystal ball for old Cause I think he's going to take a couple more visits and see what he mm-hmm. can feel. But Iowa's was definitely in a, in a really good position right now.
0: Yeah. I think you summed that pretty well. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, I think if Iowa gets parks, I mean, you're looking at Iowa's running back room, and, you know, Iowa fans obviously can never have too much depth, and I'm not going to say his name, but remember, there was a few issues a number of years ago involving uh, injured running backs, but uh, a lot of talent, I think, in that backfield, obviously led by sophomore, soon-to-be sophomore Tyler Goodson, who will step in his first year, I think, as a starter, potentially be, you know, a breakout guy. And obviously, when I got the chance to catch up with, Iowa football director of recruiting Tyler Barnes. I asked him about the the June 19th weekend, and it should be noted that that third weekend in June, Sean, for the last two years has been extremely good to Iowa. Almost every kid that goes officially visits uh, the of the uncommitted ones, because obviously they try to get all the commits there uh, with some of their top targets. I I think there's seven of eight or eight of nine over the last two years in securing commitments uh, from uncommitted official prospects. So that weekend's extremely big for them. Obviously, you mentioned Brody Breck's going to be there. Ricky Parks is going to be there. But Tyler Barnes said that as of right now, there, it's still on. But obviously, with everything going on with, with the coronavirus, and it, it's a lot of unknown. So, we'll, obviously, we'll keep you up to date on that. Stay tuned to Hawkeye Insider for that. Sean, another uh, thing I think we need to kind of touch on is Three-star wide receiver Skylar Bell from uh, Watertown, Connecticut, obviously connected with Deontay Vines, teammates with him, really good friends via social media. Deontay's kind of uh, recruiting him on Twitter. He cut his list to six. Iowa, uh, squarely, squarely in the mix for him.
1: Yeah, that's another crystal ball that me and Steve Wolfong have put on Iowa. Steve was the first to hit that one. Um, But, yeah, I think Iowa, I mean, I know he hasn't visited right yet, but I think that's still – really good spot for him right now. I don't I'm not as comfortable as I am with Parks on that pick, but I still feel pretty good about it just based on the relationship that Iowa has with the staff up there at Taft and what they've kind of done recruiting Skylar, Deontay. Um I believe they offered Skylar on the same day they offered Deontay. So they've had a long relationship with him and obviously they're going after their quarterback, Nick Brown, who's from a suburb in Illinois. Um so Iowa's really working hard up there. That's Ken O'Keefe and Kelton Copeland for the mate, for the most part. Um, and also, too, I wanted to address kind of the quarterback situation. Obviously, there's been a couple of targets in the past two weeks that have emerged. Um, Finn Collins from Calabasas committed to Arizona State the other day. He was a guy that I was looking at very interested. I thought he was a heck of a talent. Um, had a couple other Pac-12 offers, but Arizona State – was where he was ended up going. I think Michigan State was close to offering as well. Iowa was looking at him, but I think they were going to hold off on offering a little bit. But he seemed like a guy that would be a really good fit. Um, obviously, he's committed to Arizona State now. I don't know if Iowa's going to keep pursuing him. I wouldn't put a money on it that they would. Um, we'll have to see what happens. Um, but as far as quarterback goes, one that's emerged in the past couple of days, is Kyle Wickersham out of Louisiana. Mainly group of five offers right now. Air Force. Uh, he's got a couple of Ivy Leagues. Um, he's actually. I know a lot of people have been kind of tough on his film, but I mean, he's. This is his first year playing quarterback. I talked to a, a source close to him the other day, and they said this is his first year playing quarterback. Like, he's got great athletic ability, very mobile in the pocket. Obviously, his arm strength is not like some of these other targets, but he's a dude that can move. I think would be a good fit. I mean, he comes from a football family. His dad played at LSU in the 80s. Um, and he's a guy that I think can really, really develop into something, into someone, into a really special player. Um, his team won the state championship this year in Louisiana with one of the tougher divisions. So that's obviously mm-hmm. tells you something about him as a player. He's a very competitive winner um, and kind of get the job done for you. So he's a guy that I would track this summer as well
0: obviously we, you know, Sean's been crushing the recruiting beat and we, we have a lot more information on hawkeyeinsider.com. So be sure to, you know, tune into that every day. I think Sean we're averaging like eight or nine different pieces of content and scoops per day, uh, despite the shutdown. So be sure to check us out there. Uh, that's enough for recruiting. I think, I think we got a nice little overview of it. Sean, let's dive in some mailbag questions before we kind of wrap this up. Uh, first question. Uh, what, what, NBA team could benefit having Luca Garza on their roster. And I think that's a really interesting question. And I look, look, I hate saying this because it's going to bother me, but I think he'd fit with the Warriors. I really think that he would fit in well with kind of that offense and with, with that spacing that he get, you know, that they do. And I think he'd be a guy that, you know, could get a lot of that the cleanup points off missed three pointers and a guy that can just go out and stretch out to three I don't want to say like a lot of those fast break offensive teams, because obviously guards is not going to be able to keep up athletically with them, but there's a couple teams. If they could use a stretch five, I think he'd fit in fairly well. Luca does believe that he can play the four in the NBA. I'm not sold on that. Cause I just don't see the defensive potential for him right now to be able to guard some of the more athletic four men in the NBA, but I could see him, you know, doing so with,
1: just guarding centers. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave that question to you because you're the you're more of the NBA guy. Um so I mean I think the Warriors would make sense in terms of just spacing the floor. Um obviously, like you said, spacing the floor on offense, but that also means spacing the floor on defense. It's not like the Big Ten mm-hmm. where you got big men who aren't super threats to score from the perimeter. So he's gonna be forced to guard out on the perimeter, be able to switch ball screens and guard guards at time which I think could be a big issue for him so yeah I mean I could see the Warriors and then I don't really know what who what are some other teams that come to mind
0: I, I think the San Antonio Spurs would be a really good well, fit. Yeah, I think
1: I, anyone anyone could fit in that system.
0: yeah I, I think with Greg Popovich and the way he kind of coaches defense and the way he's kind of utilized players talents over the past few years I think he'd be a very prototypical uh guy for them I think even the Toronto Raptors, the job that Nick Nurse, you know, has done over the past two years is astounding. And I think that he'd find a way to get Luca involved, maybe off the bench. But uh, look, at the end of the day, I think Luca can play in the NBA. Can he be a starter? I I don't want to go that far. But I think he's going to be, you know, an Iowa guy under Fran that really sticks around in the league. I think that he's just He's too fundamentally sound and not be in the league. And he's too productive against too good of competition and not be in the league. So, the, look, the, I, I need to look at all the rosters and everything to kind of do a deep analysis. But I think any of those three teams, I think he'd be a really good fit. But, yeah, so, I, you know, again, I think that he's still a year away. I think that there's still, you know, progress he needs to make in certain areas. But the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Raptors, I think that he'd have a shot at. Uh Sean I'll, I'll get you in on this one. What do you what, what do you expect from CJ Frederick next season? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: I think he's a guy we've talked about before, Dave, that can maybe make like the all Big Ten team, fireball ball all like big 10 third team I think could be his ceiling yep. um in terms of production I think it's kind of hard to estimate that with everyone coming back um obviously his scoring might be I think I think he probably get up to like 11 12 points obviously this year he was dealing with injuries from time to time so his consistency was was a little raggedy um in terms of like just being on the court but when he was on the court I mean he brought it he brought it every game whether that be on defense um any side both sides of the floor he really delivered so I think that could be a guy that probably could give you like 11 12 points a game similar to a role he had this year but I think with more weapons I mean you have Garza likely coming back Camp, Bohannon um Nunji too is a guy that can shoot um if need be but he could play some posts too um I think you're looking at a guy that and then Connor too is obviously a guy that has turned into somewhat of a reliable three-point shooter. So I think you're looking at a team that just the way they'll be able to space the floor and be able to really play that balanced, unselfish-type basketball, and I think that's the system that CJ's at his best at. Um, So I think he could be a guy that gets like 11, 12 points a game, hits a couple threes, and gives you good minutes um, on the defensive side too.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I think that the, I, th- I think you're right. I was gonna say twelve and a half points would probably be a ceiling next year. Maybe my prediction next year for him. I think he can make the leap to all Big Ten third team, assuming he stays healthy. I know he's working on getting stronger to continue to try to work on driving and kind of take those hand checks. But I do think that Fran is gonna have a few more plays set up for CJ next year, just because of Iowa's ability to space the floor. And like you mentioned, Connor McCaffrey. If he can get up to 36, 37%, teams are going to have to guard him closer. He shot, I believe, 34.7% this year. Or Thirty, or I know it was like 34%, uh, which is a huge improvement from last year. And there were times he hit some big threes for Iowa this year. And as far as Frederick goes, a lot of Frederick's points were in transition. Uh, a lot of pull-up threes, obviously the pass back from Joe Toussaint or a couple of those other guys. But... I think, you know, CJ is going to get more open shots next year because I, and I've gone on the record saying this, Iowa's going to have one of the most versatile and dangerous offenses in the country. Assuming everybody stays healthy. There's so many different things friends going to be able to do with that team next year. And, and I think that's going to play a big factor. Um, so it'll be fine, especially since I've, this is a little bit unrelated, but I, I've gone, I went on Twitter the other day and I kind of said this, I think Iowa and Creighton are going to match up in the Gavit games this year. And I don't know if you saw this, Sean, but Tyshawn, uh, Tyshawn Alexander, I believe, uh, is gone to the NBA. He's foregoing the rest of his eligibility, 17 point per game score. So they kind of fell down the rankings a little bit, obviously still probably top 12 team. But that was probably one of the only, like one of the few teams I could see competing with Iowa in terms of offensive potential. But with Tyshawn gone, I'm just, I'm not sure where that kind of leaves. And the second part of that question, I'll kind of dive into it a little bit was, uh, Where do you see Riley Till and Cordell Pemzel ending up? I haven't had the chance to catch up with Cordell in a couple days. I obviously I I talked to him and broke his list. And he, you know, people are kind of surprised at his list. And I really don't know why, Sean. He's a career six point per game scorer, 58% from the field. He's just been derailed by injuries during a lot of his career. I mean, Virginia Tech was inquiring on him, Boston Colleges. I think the very best option for him, though, and where I think he could ultimately end up, I think, I think Drake. I know that was a popular spot from the start, but with Liam Robbins going to Minnesota, there's a need. There's a need in the front court, and he'd step in. I think he'd be a big part of their offense. So I think if he got there, I think that'd be a big thing for him. As far as Riley Till goes, I've not had the chance to catch up with Riley uh, about it. And he, here's the thing he, I'm not even sure he's going to play basketball yet. I think he's kind of weighing the opportunities um, if he wants to play or if he wants to just go right into the workforce. But I do know that he wants to get out. Uh, on the west coast, to be closer to obviously his sister, um, his sister, and, and George Kittle, and kind of you know enjoy enjoy that a little bit. And you know I, I can't blame him when your when your brother in law is the top two tight end in the NFL. I mean, you got you got to hang out, you got you got to take advantage of that. So uh, I'm hoping to catch up with Riley and kind of see what his plans are. And same with Cordell, but I think Drake would be a great fit uh, for for Cordell in the long run. So Sean, I'll let you kind of dive in this one. Tyson Crandall, do you believe our 2021 recruiting class, currently ranked number 13, will stay in the top 25 at the end of the cycle? And also, who do you think uh, are some guys that could potentially be next up to commit?
1: Um, I think top 25 is tough. Um, I think right now I haven't had a chance to look at the class calculator. Um, and kind of give like a that gives you kind of a prediction of where it end up in terms of like rankings and. Because you never know what guys are really going to blow up in terms of rankings and obviously what late pickups Iowa could get in the same day, who else they go after the summer. I mean, it's tough too with no camps. They're not going to be able to offer or get like in front of these kids and see what they bring. Um So I think that's kind of – it's tough. I mean, I could see it ending in top 25, but it'd definitely be like – borderline like 24 25. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when the last top 25 class was um, I think there was a top 31 a couple of years ago uh, but it's definitely off to a good start um you can't you can't doubt that um, in terms of teams or guys that I think could commit here fairly soon um, I don't really have anyone like in the next couple months might be tough just because they're still playing it by here in terms with official visits. Uh, so it's kind of hard to get a gauge on what guys, if those things were canceled. I mean, if those were canceled, I have a couple of prospects in mind that could really wrap things up sooner than I expected. Um, Brody Breck, possibly. I know he's one that isn't enjoying the recruiting process, but it takes a toll on him. It's a lot of stress. His family feels it too. Um, so he's a guy that could get it, wrap it up sooner rather than later. I think Arlen Bruce is one that's ready to be done with the process as well um David Davicoff is one that I think wants to wait and see I think he wants to take a couple more visits but I know the process has been stressful on him as well it's really kind of taking a toll um so I think those are three that come to mind right now now I feel like I said before I think Brecht is one that I feel most confident about I think Davicoff and Arlen are still looking I know Bruce is down to two schools but Obviously, he wants to see if other schools hop in, but I think uh, it's going to come down to the to the Cyhawk, um, and then Davikoff too. Obviously, has Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin on him as well. I know Iowa's really made a lot of ground there. and really done a fantastic job throughout the whole process, and Iowa's the school that he's really heavily considering. So those three come to mind right now. Obviously, Joe Alt as well. I think Iowa's in a fantastic shape for, um, and who else? That's about – yeah, that's all. I mean, those Richard are some Parks of the top too. targets. I mean – Yeah, Ricky – I think Ricky Parks will take his visits. I know he'll take his visit if they have it, but I think he's a guy that could wait, but he also could maybe wrap it up sooner rather than later. Um, so those are some names to keep an eye on at the top of my head.
0: And it's so tough, too. I mean, there's just so much unknown. I I, I asked Kyler Barnes this the other day, you know, what do you kind of expect to see out of kids? And he just said, I really – he didn't know what to expect if kids were going to try to wrap it up sooner – uh, rather than later. But, you know, a lot of kids, like you said, they they get stressed out. They don't want to go through another five months of recruiting. And at the end of the day, they might not be able to take visits for the next three months. And some guys just don't want to, t- you know, don't want to go through all that. So uh, a couple more here, then we'll, then we'll kind of close things out. But Sean, I said, we'd get to this. So if everybody comes back, do you really believe the hype of Iowa being a potential final four team and being ranked in the top they, they said top five, but I'll, I'll kind of stretch it out to top 10. What do you think?
1: I think there's a chance, but defensively, there's going to have to be a lot of strides. I know that's a lot of people, a lot of people, the people that are questioning the hype for Iowa next year, despite everyone they come back, the offensive numbers they put up. If you look at Iowa on defense, and it's not ideal. It's not great. It's not a great formula for a Final Four team. Um, there's a huge difference between a round of 32 and a Final Four team um, in terms of just having experience, the skill sets, and just the overall team balance. I mean, you see some of the more talented teams fall early in the tournament because they're not well put together, not well built, if you know what I mean, um, <laughs> as a team. And Iowa obviously has that experience with each other, but on the offensive side, they really show up. But defensively, man, there's got to be there's got to be some things to clean up, and I think that's going to be that's going to be the difference if, between them making it to a Final Four and them getting knocked out in the first weekend. I think there's definitely potential, but you got to look at it realistically and say this team was not very good defensively this year. Um, I mean, they have made strides since two years ago when they were god awful, um, but they've, there's still a lot of work to be done.
0: Yeah, and I've kind of gone on the record saying that. It, it, look, if Iowa gets to be a top seventy-five defensive efficiency, I think that the potential is there because I think that Iowa's going to have the number one or number two offense in the country next year. I just think the way they can space the floor, and on top of that too, Sean, I think it's worth noting. And again, it's assuming you know, not knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. They'll be deeper. They can do more things defensively than they could this year because they had to protect Garza. Because if Garza is out of the game. Iowa just you – know, I don't want to say they didn't have a chance, but very, very significantly lower chance of being able to do some of the things that that they did this season. But as far as the final four run goes, look, I'm not going to sit here and try to push, you know, pump the bandwagon or do any of that. But if you're asking me if the potential's there, I don't see how you look at the roster and not see the potential, especially when you compare it to the rest of the country and even just the offensive outbursts. Um, I'm, I'm very high on next year's team. I, I just think that there's so many shooters. If Garza comes back, that's obviously the biggest thing. Bohannon. And I, here's the thing too, Sean, which I, I think it's worth noting. Nobody has seen a healthy Jordan Bohannon play in the Big Ten. His freshman year, yeah, but that was his first season. His sophomore year, he played with plantar fasciitis, which I still don't know how he did. I think it's a credit to him. His junior year, after the fifth game, he had that the major hip surgery. And obviously last year he was i want to say a shell of himself because he still had some big games last year i mean this sorry excuse me this season but he he was he just st- he was still kind of rehabbing his other hip was acting up wasn't practicing much he just play on game days nobody has seen a healthy jordan bohannon and i think that's a huge key in all of this so you know we'll see uh Charlie, I think this is a pretty simple answer. but I'll let you take this. Uh, is Iowa looking at any grad transfers or portal transfers in case Luca doesn't return? Maybe a Matt Harms or a Colin Castleton. I'm assuming just because they're uh they're t- two Big Ten guys. Uh,
1: no, I mean Harms because listed ten today. I was not on there, um, and then Castleton. I doubt it, but let's we'll see. I'm not sure. I I think it's too early, too early to tell at this point. I think. They're really, I know friends really thinking about or has the mindset that Gars is going to come back next year. So I don't think they're very worried about it.
0: Yeah. That's about what I got out of it, too. Uh, I, somebody wanted us to do a quick analysis of the football schedule. Uh, I don't want to go game by game just because I'll take too long and this podcast is running just a little bit over right now. But I'll say this it, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's no cakewalk. They got back to back trips at Ohio State and at Penn State. So Look, Spencer Petrus is going to kind of feel that Big Ten gauntlet uh, from the start, Sean.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, You know, you got – I mean, I've been focusing more on the offenses lately with my top, like, five offensive players, top five quarterbacks that I will face next year, and obviously I'm going to do a couple more here in the next few days and weeks. But defensively, yeah, I mean, you're going to have a Micah Parsons, Penn State defense – a lot of talent still on Ohio State defensively. Um, even some of those other schools, Minnesota, loses a couple big guys, a couple big uh, defensive backs. Um, Antoine Winfield's one. Um, mm-hmm. And that hurts them, but they're still going to be talented. They're still going to be athletic. And they like to prey on inexperienced quarterbacks. So that's definitely going to be a welcome to the welcome to the league moment for Spencer Petras right out of the gates.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you bring up a good point. I mean, at Minnesota, this could be no joke either because, you know, they're extremely ticked off about how Iowa ruined their perfect season last year uh, when they came into Kinnick Stadium. And that's the third week of the season. Again, I'm not, I only want to talk about football season doesn't happen. I think there's too much negativity surrounding that. So I'm assuming everything's just going to happen. At Minnesota, then Iowa at home, two games, Northern Illinois, Michigan State. Interested to see what Michigan State looks like. I don't really know what to expect from them. Uh, then I always got the back-to-back road trips at Ohio State, at Penn State. Um, obviously, return home, host Northwestern, go to, at Illinois, host Nebraska, go at Purdue. And by the way, people are sleeping on Purdue, I think. I, I don't care who the quarterback is. If Rondell Moore is completely healthy and David Bell is completely healthy, that one-two punch at receiver will keep them in a lot of games because that they are two of the most dynamic receivers in the game. And then Iowa closes the season out uh, with Wisconsin. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the tougher, toughest schedules, I think in the country.
1: Yeah. I mean, George Karloft is Purdue is going to be the big tense next day Japanese and Chase Young yep. in terms yep. of draft stock. So that's going to be, that's going to be really, really interesting West Lafayette. That's a, that's a huge trap game. I already have circled.
0: So yeah, I, I'm the same way. But uh, I I think that about wraps it up, Sean. Uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that we made this work. Even though you try to blame me for the entire thing.
1: Well, I mean, if we keep it up, I mean, I won't have any criticisms. We just have to. You <laughs> just have to keep consistent. I'm always available. <laughs> I had nothing else going on.
0: I know. Well, I mean, a lot of us don't. The quarantine's fantastic, isn't it? All right, anyway, I don't want to talk about the quarantine or anything like that, but thanks for tuning in. As always, go to hawkeyeinsire.com, 24-7 Sports Network. Follow me on Twitter at David Eicholt, D A B I D E I C K H O L T. Follow Sean. Keep up with all of his work and the, the kid's a grinder at SBoc247. Uh, and keep an eye out for the new 2021 uh, rankings that will be coming out next Wednesday so be on the lookout for that would not surprise me to see a couple Iowa commits move up but yeah I think that's gonna do it so uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon